In the far future, faster-than-light travel is possible via portals called stiffworks. Human and alien civilizations travel this way for millennia. Trade, war, and technology proliferate. Countless societies rise, thrive, fall, and vanish. Eventually, almost everyone forgets the secrets of the stiffworks. Almost. 300 years ago, the worshipful company of Stillfleeters is formed on Spindle, a space station of unknown origin. They send fleeters into the void using stiffworks in search of profit. It is 100 million years in the future. Welcome to Float City. Previously on Float City, the crew is tasked by the worshipful company of still fleeters to obtain an object held by the boss, Onvader. They do so only to free a scourge of the Onvader's prisoners, for which they must have audience with the Saffron Anox, the ruler of the twin planets they've visited. The Anox says their actions have caused him great turmoil, and as settlement, they should do him a simple favor. Find out why company archivist Zeshtino Novell has blocked a trade deal with with Kakudun. A twisted, multi-timeline adventure of betrayal and conspiracy follows, with the team eventually discovering their refactor Algar and his boss, archivist Hracht, set them up for their own ideological and profit-driven ends and in service of the Anox himself. The team confronts Algar, who gives up what he knows, but Hracht is stalwart and puts up a fight. As things appear dire, Venos promises vengeance upon the Anox and stabs himself in the heart with the Origamon Postulate, the object Oat previously used to unravel an extra-dimensional entity known as the Emissary. Venos falls to the ground, blood pooling all around him, hoping the same has happened to the Anox. We join the team now, immediately after Venos collapses, still fighting Hracked in his quarters on spin. Remy, Remy picks up the, the rebreather. He's like coughing. He's like <laughs> just like fucking choking. And he's smashing this thing to his face because it's like seeming to give out some kind of oxygen or something, something that makes him feel a little better. And he immediately, uh, as soon as like his like vision starts clearing, he pulls out his his uh, gun, which is held together with like twine that he got however many like like he doesn't even know how long it's been because it was like two timelines and he doesn't remember one, but he doesn't know that. But it still feels like it's been a long time. And he's going to try and take a shot at Hrox. He's going to, he's like, he, he heard the Promise Vengeance thing. He doesn't know what's happened to Venus, but he knows what Promise Vengeance does, I think, instinctively. Uh, so he's going to take a shot. You pull out, yeah, this weird yellow ball with a cross, like a glowing cross in it and a slot in the top uh, with a, a pistol grip that's... He's also never used this thing before. Like taped and... Uh, roped to it. Uh, it's like weirdly heavy. Uh, this was built by effects in the woods of um, the Jash on Kakadun. You have no idea what it does or how it works. You point it at Hracked. Roll combat. Uh, Hracked, if you want to dodge, roll your movement. Okay. All right. This is sick because... I, I, yeah. No, no. It's just because Overcharge is going to... Uh, I'm going to add a bunch to my combat check. Got a seven. And what is your combat dice? Well, you click the trigger on the gun handle and it makes a very satisfying, like hard, like clicking noise. It's really hard to pull on. And when it does it, it feels like something has happened on the inside. 
but nothing happens on the outside and you don't really know why yeah he's frustrated i think he's gonna he's uh, he's gonna try and keep pulling the trigger because he's you know he's okay. he's fuck, he's like all over the fucking place he almost choked to death in a fucking fishbowl in the middle of a room with a like, guy who's got like a weird dick i don't know man he's having a he's having a hard fucking day so he's point so he's pointing this thing at crack's chest just, and he's just, just hammering, hammering on the, the fucking pit, trigger um, waiting for it to yes. do something yeah you can feel it like there's something going on on the inside but nothing has happened yet cool. beta beta upon seeing the blood on the ground next to venus's body runs almost upon seeing the blood gets a flashback of her last crew and kind of the disaster that she did nothing to help solve and runs over to Venus and kind of without, you know, really thinking it through, runs over to his body, uh, opens up his bag and is immediately sees that shield that she had used uh, when she was acting as Alpha and um, uh, finds finds the button almost immediately presses it it unfolds how large of a it's like it, it's it was pretty tall it was like like five and a half feet or so by like three feet it's something that would you know that like venos could probably stand behind uh, so uh finds the button and presses it and a elaborate shield pushes itself in front of them as she kneels down in front of venos just getting drenched in his blood the next person to act is Archivist Tract. Archivist Tract sees, he is he is like floating towards the edge of the fishbowl uh, with Remy choking behind him. He is floating to the edge of the fishbowl so he can get sort of what, what it passes for visual, <laughs> a, a, a visual uh, check on what's going on outside so he can watch his eyes destroy these suckers. Uh, he floats up to the glass and just as he does, he sees Venos plunge some kind of sharp stone into his chest and Haract screams, no! He then begins speaking in a strange language. He turns to his left. It clicks and pops out of his mouth, out of his mouth a, a weird like alien language you've never heard before. Simultaneously, two of the remaining orbiting eyeballs around his body fly directly above his shoulders and spray a sphere of white hot orange light onto the glass of the fishbowl that's facing you. And a, a perfect circle of that glass begins to melt away under the, the, the rays of the eyes. And as the orange gas begins to fill, pour out of the fishbowl. It begins to, it hits your ankles, it begins to fill the entire space. He stops speaking that strange alien tongue, and from the walls of the fishbowl, inward and then outward through that hole, the gas begins to change color. And the new gas that's being produced by the glass walls of the fishbowl changes color, and it's no longer that sort of dark, sandy desert at dusk orange. And now it is the blue-green of cyanobacteria. It is the blue green of a thick and soupy swamp full of algae and photosynthesis and life. A vibrant, sort of almost iridescent green. Uh, it almost like sparkles as if there's sexy glitter in the smoke, as if the smoke <laughs> were going out to a bar later with friends. And the smoke is now filling uh, and it changes from the orange and it passes out there. Uh, he floats very, very quickly. He he, he rockets out of the uh, uh, the fishbowl, and around him swirls this this vibrant green smoke. Uh, and he he runs directly to Venus uh, and stops. Uh, and his body sinks 
to the ground and he goes straight from floating. He doesn't even stand up. He goes straight from floating onto his knees and he holds out his arms. As the green gas hits you and you begin to feel rejuvenated, you begin to feel more energetic, sharper mentally, and you can tell that you are being healed and that your grit is returning. He hits the ground on his knees and says, I surrender. I stop. I yield. I yield. Please, please, please. No more. No more. Please. Everyone can regain full health and grit. What the (gasps) fuck is this guy? (laughs) Including Venus. No way. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) No way. No fucking way. (laughs) Nick already deleted Venus's... She, <laughs> character she yeah it's gone Venus when you come to I don't know if the arrangement persists but in my mind Hract has floated around Beta who has this shield up Beta is still there on the ground with the shield up next to you and next to her maybe across the other side of your body is a kneeling Hract who looks extremely worried I'm gonna say for now because the only other aggressor has surrendered we are out of initiative Cool. <laughs> what? Beta um, moves the shield uh, to as to put it in between them and Hrak, not understanding what is going on. I think Remy's Remy's still aiming the gun at Hrak. Please, no more violence. N- n- no, no need for violence at all. Uh, I'm, I'm here. I surrender. I yield. Uh, you've, you've, you've bested, you've bested me. Please, n- n- no more violence. Um, I- I've underestimated you. The Anox has underestimated you. Please uh, allow me to explain. Um, Venus is is completely confused. He's uh, feeling around at his chest. He he knows he should be dead. He knows he should have the organ and postulate sticking out of his heart. But when he feels at his chest, he feels the organ and postulate laying on his chest as though it never punctured at all. He feels the chest. It feels as though it's completely healthy. Fine. There's not even a scar. Um, he looks down at the organ postulate and looks up at cracked. Mercus is still on the ceiling and is confused as well. He turns around and crawls to where they are still on the ceiling. He's above. What, what, what happened? What? What? We won? Yeah. I don't know what we won. N- no, you're, you're in great danger, as, as am I. As we all are. Listen, listen to me. You are not... You are far stronger than you were when you left here. And you're far stronger than we had considered or planned or, or predicted. Um, for, for, forgive me. Um, you, look, you are meddling and attempting to stop events and plans uh, that you cannot conceive of, that you do not understand. The lives of billions hangs in the balance. Uh, please, you no more violence here tonight. Please stop. Uh, Mercus unsticks from the ceiling, doing like a very graceful backflip and lands next to Hract with his arms crossed. Oh. Explain. We, we are not some sort of petty, organized crime outfit moving illicit crates of goods from one dock to hither and yon. You must understand that what we are trying to build is an organization of order and thoughtfulness that will provide for every known civilization connected by the stiffworks. You must understand that if, if, if you stop that, 
If you stop what we are trying to build with the Anox, only and only the Anox is capable of, you'll be dooming everyone you've ever known. And you, Venus is still having trouble breathing. And you, you seek to do this? To build a, a universe of prosperity and peace through engineering war with the Anox? Explain that to me. Yes, our methods are hard to take, and our choices are difficult and hard. I, I wouldn't claim otherwise. But our ambitions, our goals, are your ambitions and goals. And I would say are the ambitions and goals of everyone who was made aware. Everyone who understood the scope of the problem. Perhaps none of you were alive during the attack quake, but I remember. I remember what it was like in the dark. I remember what it was like to look out and see a void to live in the silence. I remember. I won't go back to that again, and I won't doom anyone else to either. The code does not have the requisite vision, the requisite ideology, the requisite willingness to sacrifice, to take us to a place that could withstand another tackwake, another silencing of the stiffworks. Only the Anox could. Only the Anox can. Consider the forces that live outside the space that you experience. The emissaries, the Ilithnari, vicious, chaotic beings. But the Anox, the Anox has those powers. There's abilities, but it's not malicious. For eons, throughout time and history, across civilizations and races, people yearned for some kind of divine guidance. But we have that now. Please, don't endanger it. We are so close. Every day, another planet joins the network, joins what the Anox is building, his order. Don't stop it to slow it down. Please, I beg you, on behalf of everyone. I, I, I know it's hard to believe. I, I understand. I took some convincing myself. So, please, I can feel him looking at us now. Um, I can send you, I can send you there to his court. I'll allow me to help you to see the Anox again. I don't know who to be mad at. I'm still very, I'm still, I'm still incredibly angry. What? As well you should be. Why the mind games? Why put us together? Couldn't you have told us? We, we misjudged you. I, no, no, I, I'm, I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that about the Anox. I misjudged you. Or perhaps Algar misjudged you. But clearly we were wrong. Mercus is growling. A great being comes to you with knowledge and the ability to stop Apocalypse, another tack quake, another great calamity. And instead of giving you the tools and the knowledge in order for us to prevent disaster for ourselves, in order for us to empower and engender this knowledge and all of our friends and allies across the universe, he proposes to start a war with you. A small war, a temporary war. And then no I do war that. is small. And why do you trust him? In the scope then? of things they are, don't you see? In the scope of things they are. Yes, we have done terrible things. But these things will pass, like the moon across the face of a star. The order that we produce will last millennia. And when the next attack quake comes, when the stiffworks begin to die again, we will be safe. We will have the Anox. That's the choice I made, and I believe that if you could speak with him, you would make the same choice. Yes, I agree. It's ugly. And if it could be another way, I'd choose that way. But the way things are now, this is what we must do. A brief war on Kakudun would put Kakudun within the control and protection of the Anox's trade networks. All the information, all the people controlled by one holistic center. And as each new civilization and world is added under the umbrella of his control, 
less conflict, less war, more stability. That's as simple as I can put it. Sacrifice the life of thousands to save trillions. You would do differently. How can we... How can we believe this? How can we make that choice? You didn't give us any. I know. And it was wrong. Algar was wrong. I was wrong. And uh, Remy points to Venus. The reason that you stopped attacking us is because of him? Venus is stronger than perhaps even you understand. Um, I cannot allow any threat to the Anarchs any more than I would allow a threat to the life of all. Surely you must have seen it. The world you go to, the people you meet, the co itself. Chaotic. Like rats fighting in a bag. Merka shivers. <laughs> we cannot go on this way. If we are given an option to build with vision, not a thousand parties jockeying for the tallest seat at a table of rotten food. No, an ordered life without conflict, with vision. Has this happened elsewhere? Has, has, do these planets and civilizations know they're entering these agreements with the Anox? Most do not. So they've... If, if people knew, they would rebel. They would fight. They don't understand. They would react like children so your, or animals. So your proposal for universal peace is installing an unaccountable, ungodly dictator? Is he a dictator if every world chooses? If he presents himself as simply the best deal and everyone chooses our way. But you you just said they hadn't chosen. No, they choose. Look at Kakudun. We were going to offer, at first, weapons, cheaper, more than they could ever afford. But then more than that, agriculture, technology, materials, material science, travel, logistics, everything. The war was our foot in the proverbial door. After that, the entire Kakudun economy would become a part of us. But they would be none the wiser, still electing their leaders. I mean, Remy's also still pointing the gun at Rocked. This is not a manipulation. This is not wickedness. This is peace. Remy shrugs and looks at Beta. Beta has been listening, but just is looking down at the pool of blood that still is on the ground all over, is now all over her knees and all over her hands and is just feeling, feeling this strange feeling of existential dread that she maybe has never felt before in her many, 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 many years that she's been alive, seeing in a moment cracked, completely heal Venus, contemplating her own powers to heal and what she was meant to do for the company, seeing this person just heal heal everyone at the you know snap of his fingers feeling powerless kind of now feeling the weight of her interaction with Algar and just says we gotta talk to the Anox I have to hear it from him yes you you all should will you go allow me to take you Venus uh, turns away from Kraken towards the team and says I believe most of what he said except for one thing, especially. I do not believe if there was another way to instill peace in this galaxy and others, that Crack would have taken it. Cracked is a coward. He's a patsy for the most powerful being he knows. He's afraid of him. He's afraid of him now. I know that he wouldn't take another way. 
or explore another solution because the company is supposed to be that very other way. We are supposed to spread knowledge and resource throughout these lands and all, and all planets within our reach. Cracked, we will speak with the Anox, but you will step down from command. You will go to the Founding Five and you will explain what you have done, that you have used the Co's resource and lives to serve the Anox and his trade networks. And you will step down. And if not, we will kill you. Mercus nods for emphasis. Yes, I will. Remy aims at his head. Agreed. Now quickly, come with me. Barak stands up uh, and he, oh, poor little guy. <laughs> uh, he walks over to a wall. He can walk? <laughs> I know, he can walk. It's a very uh, sad little waddle. Yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> Um, it's not a naked. pretty walk. He's obviously doing it out of a sort of supplication. Pratt limps on barely used legs to the side of the room, to an otherwise unmarked curved wall interior of the Great Golden Dome. A tiny little, like, key attached to um, a sort of um, a, a shiny, what looks like a large ball bearing comes out of one of the ports in his torso and flies towards the wall. And as this little flying key approaches the wall, the keyhole appears. He slides in, continues to slide until it's no longer visible. And then, I hate this, but I gotta do it. <laughs> the door slides upwards and there is a hallway beyond. So long, so dark and black, it looks as if it empties into space itself. Come with me. I mean, I guess we have a hostage and grabs Venus and puts or puts the gun to Venus's head and walks behind him. Huh. Yeah. Mercus um, helps Beta up and uh, grabs the shield to help uh, condense it back. Pract begins to limp uh, on his very stubby legs uh, towards this uh, this darkened hallway. Do you mind if I do you mind if I levitate? This is extraordinarily uncomfortable. No, you stay on the ground, you bitch. Yes, Remy. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Wow. Daddy. <laughs> Listen, if you hurt Herak, that hurts Venus, and that hurts the Anox. You can do whatever yeah. you want to Herak right now, as long as you don't hurt <laughs> like him. Like I said, we got two it. hostages, or one hostage at least. You walk down this darkened hallway. He leads you down this darkened hallway. It's, like, rotund and, you know, kind of imposing the way Herak is, though maybe not at the moment. Um, and as you enter it, you see these tall, these um, small little pin lights lighting up in sequence down it, revealing this hallway that looks like it's just been bored into the Rock of Spin. It dips constantly. It's this, like, steady downward slope you go through these corkscrew turns and at every turn at every foot these little pin lights in the ceiling are lighting up lighting up in this steady rhythm ahead of you you guys go for yeah a, a little while Friends, listeners, people who love listening, Mike here. You like listening to Float City, right? Which, of course, means that you like listening to our music, almost all of which was written for the show by my good friend, Mr. Sam Tyndall, whose band, Cuneiform, has a new record coming out in September. Let's listen to a bit of it. This is a clip from the track, Again. Yeah. 
They've already got another track from the record out, and it rules. There is a music video coming out on August 18th, and the record itself, called Reverse, is out on September 24th. I'm going to put links to all of these things in the show notes. You can go check out their website, cuneiform.xyz. You can see the videos when they're out. You can pre-order the record on Bandcamp and all that other fun stuff. This record is really going to rule. I'm really happy to be able to plug it and to talk about it on the show. If you like the sound world of Fun and Float City, you are really going to like this record, I promise. Check it out, cuneiform.xyz. Okay, bye. Uh, Venus, is, is the gun uncomfortable? Well, oh, what? Uh, Venus, does, Venus doesn't. Oh, yeah, never, no, don't worry about it, but like, just, feel it. He's, Beta, you uh, were walking down a weird hallway. I don't know. One of us died, but now he's not dead. I'm still pretty mad, but I can't. There's. There's no obvious target. We're fighting a system. Beta is looking back at you kind of with this blank stare on her face. I just, I guess I've just, I've never really been paying attention. I just was so obsessed with my research. What are we all doing? You know what, Beta, that you, these are great questions. We don't have any answers. I don't have any answers. Uh, and Remy rummages in his bag and takes out a bottle of wine and uh, the big dagger and smashes the top and just hands Beta the bottle. Beta takes a big sip. It's extremely good. It's, I don't know if you drink wine. I you can't. maybe none of you have ever <laughs> had wine. It's, it's, I think we would appreciate it as li- like world class, like historically good wine. It maybe tastes like garbage. That, to I you. mean, <laughs> there's probably some iron in there. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. No. S doesn't usually. <laughs> and Remy takes the bottle back. I think it, uh, I think it, it no, I, I think it might help uh, me. And, uh, yeah, and Remy <laughs> takes out of the other bottle and just throws it to, to Oat. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, to me? Oh, hello. Yes. Thank you. Ah. Who? <laughs> Who, baby? Yeah. Oat, on the other hand, has had a lot of wine. Yeah. It's terrible. Oh, boy, this is piss. This tastes like piss to you. Yeah, Remy takes the bottle back and just <laughs> chugs some. Beta turns to Venus. What are we supposed to do here? I don't know. I don't even know what state the Anox will be in when we get there. I, I may have misjudged. And Venus's mind is racing about the origam and postulate and what could have happened or, or you know, how Frax's uh, healing would have affected him and the Anox and the, all the answers that he knows are down the end of this hallway. But he kind of shakes himself away from that a whole line of thinking and tells her and the rest of the group, listen, listen now. If Fract tries to betray us, you do not hesitate to kill him. Do not think of me. I've lived more lives than I deserve. Do you understand? Promise me. Venus, Promise me now. I'm going to I'm going to kill you because I don't want you to have to suffer. That's great, but that won't do anything to to Hract. You kill Hract, I'll die and so perhaps may well the end knocks. Nah, I'm not going to let you die. I don't care about the Anox. Fuck you. Nah, I'm not not really into politics. <laughs> oh, you will let me die. You will let me die. I will make your whole entire all life right, miserable. Do you right. understand you're, that? You're gonna fucking die. All right, we got it. All right, we. It's Oat grabs you by your collar. Oat grabs Venus. Don't tell me who I let die and who I let live. Only Marcus can do that. Briggers has been quietly and solemnly walking behind everybody with his arms crossed. All he's thinking about is his family because there are so many of them embedded in the system. 
What will he say to them? So he's not really speaking. He's just walking behind everybody. I think Remy f- finishes the bottle and uh, looks at everybody and takes out some gunch. Venus throws Oat's hands off of his robes and says, then I'll make sure that I'll die myself. And he turns around and continues walking behind Rack. You know, he did do it once, Oat. He really, he did, he was on the ground, you know, pool of blood, dead guy. Yeah, I know, but sometimes people say that just because they want people to disagree with yeah, him. Yeah, I don't know. Not him. That guy's <laughs> weird. You can't win them all. I'm imperfect. Well, hey, I'm sorry. At least we got some wine. You know? This is, oh, this boy, is you know, we, we are... Puff, puff, give, hey, we are, Remy. Come on. <laughs> this is it, right? This is it. This is it. I can, you know, I can feel it. Oh, I thought we were just going to go see a presentation. <laughs> <laughs> the Saffron and Ox's sales deck. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. But, Marcus. If uh, if we do live through the presentation, um, what are you going to do when you come back? I come back? Oh, I'm going to find all my brothers. We need to talk. And maybe, maybe I'll find Deep River. That's what I was fishing for. I think she'll wait. Oh, yeah, she seems like the waiting type. <laughs> you all and Hracked, uh, after what feels like a long while, reach the end of this round uh, pin-lighted hallway. Yeah, it just ends. There's just black rock, uh, and you hear Hracked's eyes uh, spin about. They levitate in front of him, and they insert themselves into these small, kind of like unseen indents in the side of the hallway. And you hear this light grinding, uh, to like twisting noise, and the wall in front of you, the dead end just slides open and it shows you that you have arrived in the dormant bays. You walk outside, the day is just beginning on spin, it's like early mid-morning by now. Some of the mourn folk are up. Uh, you all would recognize the dormant bays. I think the most recent time you were here was when you visited Orndrum Sasparine. Some of the mourn folk are up, they're floating around, glowing lightly, buzzing and clicking at one another, having their teleinformatic early morning conversations. They're slowly starting to set up shop in this sort of open, bizarre like marketplace that uh, you saw you know, about a week ago, but one of them sees Hracked, another sees Hracked, and you hear sort of a chittering noise spread between the group of them, and they all scatter. Not in fear, but dutifully. Like there's some sort of understanding. Hracked (laughs) quietly floats through the center of this little market zone in the dormant bays. He parts the quiet Morgul town square, goes its whole length towards its back, towards a pair of stiff works that are decorated with these strange mournfolk glyphs with a scattering of candles in front of them with some plants and vines strewn around them. His eyes once again buzz. They come up from behind you. Uh, You hear the door that you walked through close. Uh, They rush in front of him and they once again insert themselves into some small grooves around the stiff works that's on the left, the one that's covered in a huge drape of vines. It's this small sort of squarish portal. Mercus, when the eyes do this, when they deposit themselves into these little grooves, your electrostatic sense twinges. Hracked has just activated a dormant bay. And Mercus's nose twitches in a different way than he's used to. Feels different. Would you believe that in all the things I've done in service of the Anox and our great mission, one of the most difficult was learning how to bribe a mournfolk? Perhaps I will take the secret to my grave. You, on the other hand, appear to have somewhat of a future ahead of you. Through here. He is expecting you. Please. I can feel him, you know, and I do not feel 
what we would call anger. I feel he is expecting you and looking forward to seeing you again. There's a first time for everything. Good luck. Marcus, you can tack the Stiffworks uh, directly to the Saffron and Nox's court for two grit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this time before attacking, Marcus does a big, like, shoulder roll, as if he's, like, kind of winding up for a big pitch with one arm, and uh, he puts his hand on the stiff work. You hear that familiar little bloop, 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 and it opens. The large environment of the dormant bay is the big, open, town square-ish area that you're in feels now suddenly slightly bigger. There's what feels like maybe a rush of air or maybe nothing at all. Maybe it's just now slightly colder uh, as, yeah, the stiff works in front of you opens. Uh, you walk through it, another dull, infinite, matte black hallway, reminiscent of the one that you just passed through, uh, but going somewhere very far away, going somewhere very different, going to... Rigamont A. The last time you were on Rigamont A, you were in the court of the Saffron Anox. You go through this ever-constricting and then ever-widening pathway. Uh, Mercus goes first. So, Mercus, as you walk through the Stiffworks, you're walking, you see in front of you um, what looks like this just a beautiful pattern. Uh, like, you don't see depth, you just see this really beautiful tile wall, and it's got this very complex amber, yellow, dark blue geometry painstakingly arranged in this swirling parabolic pattern, and you're walking towards it, everybody's coming up behind you, and you realize that you are not looking at a wall. Once you get to the lip of the other end of the stiffworks, you are looking at a ceiling, and that you have emerged through the floor you are being buoyed, floating parallel to the floor by the gravity maintained by the stiffworks relative to your departure point. He, he is grumbling as he is passing through this stiffwork. This is why they told us we're never allowed to tack in the far bay. This is why. He's mad uh, about it. It's definitely weird. When you, when you get into this, so you emerge sort of floating on your back in this giant room. You guys all scramble out of the mm -hmm. stiffworks. Yeah. The room that you're in is very big and it's very stately. It's a large rectangle. It's got terracotta floors and it's got these walls painted a deep aquamarine blue. There's a round table that is at the very far end of it, kind of counter to the stiff works that you just emerged out of from the floor. And sitting at that table are half a dozen Deva in their long blood red cloaks. And when you all pop out of the Stiffworks, when you emerge, when you climb, you know, from the weird gravity into the more normal gravity of Rigamont A, they all stand. They all stand to attention and they all look confused and maybe like they should be on guard until next to them, a door opens and through it steps Shasho. Shasho says, Hail, your arrival was made known to us. Please follow me. The Anox will see you immediately. Welcoming. Marcus does that thing that boxers do to their nose uh, with his thumb, uh, and he walks in. Yeah, Remy nods appreciatively and then follows. Shasho raises his hand wordlessly to the other Deva um, and kind of just makes a, a very curt, like, you know, nothing motion, like a don't worry about it. And they all very suspiciously sit down. But they don't they don't do anything. They all go back to, you know, some of them are reading. Some of them are looks like they're eating dinner. 
and he nods and he turns around and he walks out through the door that he came through. Um, he takes you through several hallways of the Anox's large estate, his court. Uh, you haven't seen any of this before. This is sort of like what you might describe as back of house in comparison to what you saw before. The hallways are really wide. They're lined with really beautiful uh, handmade rugs. There are paintings, sculptures, various bits of archaea tech that all line these alcoves. They populate chests, display cases and shelves all throughout this massive estate. You pass by countless items, which are, if not more valuable than the things that you have seen, that are at least like as valuable as some of the most valuable things that are in your possession. It's like the largest, well-kept collection of incredible things that you've ever seen. They're all clean. They're all shined. They're all displayed with pride. They are clearly curated and valued. This is someone's collection. Eventually, left down some hallways, right down some hallways through this beautiful estate, Shasho pushes through a set of large and ornate wooden double doors that leads you into a giant room, which is hot. This room is warm. It is painted a similar aquamarine to the one that you arrived in, and you realize that you are back in the room where you first met the Anox. You are in the back of the room, where previously you were on the front. You are on his small, raised platform, and the heat is coming again from the large, spinning, concrete, orange peel-looking things floating, circling, arcing around the top of his chair in the room. His chair is empty, and Shasho beckons you to join him on the floor to stand once again roughly where you stood not a few weeks ago during your initial meeting with the Anox. And if you follow him, once in place, you see two other additions to the room, two things that are different from the last time you were here. Behind the spinning concrete orange peels is the Anverder's sword. It's mounted on the wall directly above and behind the Anox's chair, displayed very prominently in a room without much decoration otherwise. And also, on the raised platform, all the way in the back right corner, not displayed ostentatiously, displayed subtly, displayed almost as if uh, it's as hidden as it could be in a room with not much else, you see the Anverter's armor. Uh, once you stand where Shasho has indicated, he stands back very reverently, keeps his hands behind his back. He makes very purposeful eye contact with each of you at every opportunity that he has. The Anox will join you soon. Truthful. And he walks back to the door that you walked through. He closes it, and he stands in front of it, quietly. The Anox appears three feet in front of you. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back. I'm afraid I owe you an apology. Thank you. I'm thank sorry. You? I understand your hesitancy to accept. I put you in danger under false pretenses and, of course, by any sort of rational, reasonable and currently popular form of ethics or morality that would be considered wrong. I'm sorry. Marcus has still got his arms crossed very tightly and he exhales very loudly like a bull. I understand. I also believe that I understand from what I can glean from my channels towards Spin and Hracht that we've reached a sort of three-way detente via some hell science methods, something about revenge. And in such dramatic fashion, stabbing yourself with a sharp rock, a knife, I'm not quite sure. Others might say histrionic, but I have an appreciation for dramatic flair. 
Marcus pinches Venus. Venus is, his mind is racing. He doesn't know what he should or shouldn't say to the Anox. He's, he's surprised to see him in one piece. He wants to know if he died and then he came back whenever Hrakt brought him back. But he knows that any information he says now, the Anox will probably be able to use it in ways that he can't imagine. So instead, he says, yes, it seems we are. Your lapdog, Hracked, said that if we spoke with you, we would get answers. We're here for them. Mm. And if we don't like what we hear, then we shall proceed with what we had planned to stop your tyranny and your war. Mm. I certainly have many points of contention with several things that you've just said. But first, I must congratulate you. No one has been able to physically damage me in this four-dimensional space in quite some time. And just a few moments ago, you did. Congratulations. I have to say it's left me a little, I think, what you'd call rattled. Get used to it and holds the gun up to Venus's head again. Hmm. Let's hope none of us here need to get used to it. But you should also understand that I am actually under a tremendous amount of what you might call stress or pressure or even pain. Strain, I believe, is the way to say it on spin. You understand that even currently now as we speak, I am holding the rigamots from colliding with each other. Enormous tidal forces. So if if I seem distracted ever, uh, or if you should ever see me acting as if I am perhaps relaxing or my mind is elsewhere, be assured this is absolutely not the case. As I said, a part of me is always keeping these planets in the pattern you see before you. And he gestures up and the roof becomes transparent. And you can see the sky uh, between the twins, between Rigamont A and Rigamont B. And it's a beautiful thing. I do this not to impress you, but as a, a gift, a rare gift that I only give to some guests. This is how I see them. In fact, I believe many of our differences can be traced back to the difference in the way that you and I see things. You understand that what you're talking with now, what you would call me or the Saffron and Knox, is a sort of extension or perhaps more accurately a configuration of myself into four-dimensional space that you can understand, see, touch, and experience in a way that is commensurate with the way your, what we would call, minds have evolved. Yes? You understand this? Yes. Mm -hmm. This means that I experience the world in a dramatically different way than you or most things that you've ever come across might experience the world. I believe you've met several multidimensional creatures. Of course, we both know about the Ilith Nari at the Onvader's estate. And I believe, if my intelligence is correct, others as well, yes? Mercus spits on the ground. We understand what a multidimensional being is, if that's what you want to know. We are waiting for our answers that, that we were promised. Perhaps this would be easier if you asked a question. Why war? Why start one? You have everything you need. If you hope to spread peace and prosperity, then do that. Why do you do it through war? Through death and destruction? Why must you exert control in order to spread prosperity? Why not give people the tools that you have to spread knowledge so that people can better themselves? Everything that Hracht said about your high-minded goals and what you try to intimate to us now with your great planet-keeping apart rings false to me because everything that you do is lined with your need to control it, to control the trade, to control power, power, power. You have tools, you have things that we can't imagine. You are something we can't imagine. But you don't trust us. You don't trust anyone else with the power or knowledge you have. And so we're always going to be in service to you, under you, 
Do you not know what dictatorships are? Do you not know what tyranny is? Is that something that hasn't reached your memory banks? Your multidimensional knowledge recesses? I, 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 I don't understand. I, why war? Imagine the seed of a sunflower in the soil, moistened and allowed to grow. At first, it rockets up a little stem towards the sun, and then little pale fingers begin to ply, to push the dirt apart, to search nitrogen, carbon, water, carbohydrates, radiation from the star above it. The roots push the dirt away. You could say the roots control the dirt. The roots tell the dirt where to move. Not here, slightly to the right so that I may pass. I believe there might be some carbohydrates over there. The leaves above block the light from the leaves below. Every living thing, including myself, seeks to shape the universe into a better shape that we see fit. And those of us that we call conscious or sentient have a much more complex understanding and collection of methods and techniques to achieve the same end. Why war on Kakadun? Kakadun was almost certainly going to begin a war on its own eventually. But I understand that this might be small beer to you now. By starting a small war on Kakadun, we were able to start a process that would allow us to gain control, not direct control, not tyrannical control, but ownership over the entire economy of that world. One more star in the sky that switches from the control of the brainless, profit-driven, short-sighted co, a switch from them into our world. People are allowed to govern themselves. Conscious beings are allowed to consider the world and to build it in the shape that they see fit, but as a part of a larger, or holistic plan. That is what I seek to build. And I also believe that if you could see what I see, you would build the same. It's impossible to describe. Imagine yourself describing a color to a person that cannot perceive what you would call visible light. Imagine a sculpture, a shape that you find so incredibly moving and brilliant. Explain the multivascular object to a two-dimensional being. You can't. Does that mean you're wrong? Does that mean the two-dimensional being is wrong? The creature that cannot perceive visible light, are they wrong for not understanding what you would call violet? No, no one is wrong and no one is right. We simply wish to be the world a certain way. And the world I envision is beautiful beyond description. Patterns of culture, material, communications, logistics, stretching out in seven dimensions through what you would call the void and what I see as a great, infinitely sided, perfect shape or what could be perfect. The symmetry, the narrative, the heft, the weight, the craft, the balance of what I am building is so perfect, lesser beings would call it holy. Now, Harapt feels that he and all the things that he cares about, that the world that he knows would be safer within this great mandala. And I agree. But to be clear... It is not why I do it. I do it because I believe it is beautiful and because I can.
And now I place before you a choice. You can fight me and lose and simply cease to be. You can perhaps escape and then perhaps I will chase you, though I can't imagine a reason why. Though maybe I would do it just to scare others from denying me. Or work for me. Leave the co. If you care about comfort and riches, I can provide those things to a degree that previously you would find unimaginable. But not just for you, for your friends. For what some of you might call a family. And I can promise you engaging, difficult, but possible and rewarding work. You can become a part of something larger than yourself. And all the while, every mission, every errand, every box ticked off on your to-do list under the heading of the Saffron Anax, you will know is creating a perfect beauty. And though you will never get the chance or the ability to experience it directly, I assure you, wrapped up in the world around you in a way you can't see, that beauty is there. Come with me. Achieve my aesthetic affection. At this, Mercus unfolds his arms and uh, looks a little more relaxed, but he walks toward Venus and puts a hand on Venus's shoulder. Well, this is a lot to take in. Marcus says to them, whatever you want to do. Beta feels, feels everyone's or feels Marcus's energy kind of getting a little bit more open, but her energy almost like the, is like polar opposite to it. As Marcus feels a little bit open, Beta is looking down on her, you know, metal duct tape fingers that have dried pieces of blood, Venus's blood on them now. And uh, without knowing it, her, her finger, her fingers are closing into a fist. She's, she's pressing her, she doesn't have lips. (laughs) She doesn't have teeth or lips. Always got to remember. Scrunching the metal of her face. Yeah, she's, she is curling her toes into a mirrored like fist and, yells out no venus is a little shocked he he, his neck darts over towards her and and looks at her and she's looking at venus for a sec because she's just kind of lost in where everyone's out and kind of almost looking for approval from venus screaming no no mercus is moving a hand to her back as support Mm -hmm. but like is alarmed when she screams no no always we're told what to do, the missions to go on, keep your crew safe. I've tried for years to keep them safe and I failed and I failed and I failed. And what does it even matter? Now you want us to go with with you and continue to what? Do the same thing over and over? What does it matter? What does it matter? I used, I used to think that all that mattered was to learn more. You know, maybe, maybe I could learn more than I've been capable of. Learn love. What does it matter? No, I won't work for you. I'm done working. You, the co, what does it matter? Well, I feel like, I feel like I've heard enough. I think, uh, I don't know you. You keep lying to us uh, and you're doing some weird kind of sky god dictatorship thing. I don't think I'm totally on board with. So yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm sitting with it. I'm processing it. We're processing it together, you and me. 
We're making space for We're this holding possibility. holding space for each other. And it doesn't matter. I mean, look, man, you're probably going to... You, you, you gave us some options. It was one and two and three. And, you know, one of them, we work for you. The other, we die and we run away. And I'm tired, man. I'm angry. And anger makes you so tired. All I know is I'm, I'm here. They're here. They've made their decision. So I think, you know, I'm with them. The Saffron and Knox is this sort of smooth, perfect gray, you know, bipedal, humanoid-shaped creature with no eyes, nose, mouth, just sort of this... It's like an unpainted Ken doll. Yeah, yeah, like a sort of slate-colored um, smooth face. And around his body sort of floats and drips this almost like a lava lamp uh, surface that's an inch you know, out from his skin. It's just always sort of going over the back or around the side, this sort of cur constantly curling and flowing luminous plasma. And he turns very deliberately and very slowly, his hands clasped behind his back, and he looks at Venus. Venus is, and he, and he really has been since he came in the room, uh, pretty crushed that um, promising vengeance and then using... The origam and postulate against himself did not work. Venus sighs, and he says, well, it seems that the team is with me, and it seems like you, like so many before you, believe that a powerful person needs to have extra dimensions or a hundred arms or 5,000 warships in order to believe that they are a god with good reason. And then he turns to his team. But we cannot fight him. And we can't do any good dead. If we're to fight for justice in this universe, we must fight alongside the Anox. And then he turns to the Anox. We have proof about everything you've done. We know that the reason that the people that are, un that are under your power are content to be is because they don't realize to the extent that they depend on you and that you can control them. We have confessions from Cracked himself, from Algar, from many you have dealt with. And we can prove this. Everything we have is stored here. And he pulls out the Orgam and Postulate. And he goes to hand it to the Saffron and Nox. Mercus's hand drops from Venos's shoulder. Venos, roll charm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the saffron and ox roll reason. I did not buy any grit. I got a nine out of 10. And in exchange for peace between us and your aid in my grand project, you all agree to give me this, the only recorded copy of the intelligence you have gathered about my processes. You all agree. Venus turns to the rest of the group and looks at them. Does Venus speak for all of you? He speaks for me. Marcus is looking down at his boots, and he says he speaks for me as well. Beta is staring at Venus, doesn't even look at the Anox, and says, yeah. I think I think Beta saying yeah is suspicious to the Anox. Yeah, <clears throat> you're nervous. I can tell. I understand. My Davis cracked himself. Many people, when faced with such an opportunity can become unsettled, unsure of their place in things. I understand, and I sympathize with you, but there's no need to be nervous. And of course, <laughs> I would 
be under no threat from any sort of intelligence about anything that you've gathered. Many of the peoples underneath my network would never believe that one person was behind so many multifaceted and complex networks of economics, culture, logistics. It's unfathomable to them. And those that would know certainly wouldn't trade their convenience for any sort of materially baseless sense of revolution or self-righteousness. In my experience, that's just not what most thinking people do. But I understand that as far as you understand things, this is very important to you. And I take it as a token of your fealty and of your willingness, and he looks directly at Beta, to learn. And he reaches out and he takes the origamin postulate. I rolled an eight. <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, so just so you know, uh, the Saffron and Knox's reason is a D100. D100. Yeah. Holy shit. 8%. Wait, no. 1% chance out of 100. But he gets an eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. My, my, yeah. Yeah. Holy like, shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, actually, I've actually never seen a device quite like this. It's difficult for me to see what's in... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, at at the, the the interface. Like, I, I imagine, Vinos, that you, he reached out his hand and you just dropped that big six-pointed star, Emerald. Yes. <laughs> Still stained in blood into it. Um, yes. And uh, you see, it is as if... Imagine that you are watching a time-lapse video of icicles forming on a house on a winter's morning, mm -hmm. but it is upside down. So you are watching these icicles rocket up from the eaves of the house. This is what you see in the Saffron Anox's hand as the matter in this thing he called his configuration begin to befit into four-dimensional space. His hand crystallizes into a bouquet of razored glass. Huh. <laughs> huh. That was like a micro-agnetta. Huh. <laughs> yeah. This was unexpected. Fix it now. Um, uh, Fix it now. Is, uh, buddy... It's reached his wrist. It's like, and the crystals are now sprouting crystals. He is becoming a sort of snowflake, I suppose. This, uh, this is, <laughs> I know this is your safe space, but this is beyond our pay grade. Also, hey, oh, Venus, Beta, Marcus, you guys want to skedaddle? Yeah, let's get out of here. This guy fucked up. Fix it now. Fix it. Oh, well, hopefully you won't be missed. <laughs> As beta starts to and leave. you won't be missing us. Goodbye. Uh, I certainly won't be missing you. And he flings his right arm out, which turns into a giant sword, which he swings at your fucking heads. <laughs> yeah, it's a power called at hand. I can form wow, tools out of my cool. appendages. Yes, like T2000. T2000. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wolfie's doing fine. Everybody, please roll initiative. The Saffron and Ox will have this one surprise attack. <laughs> Hate to see that. Yep. And then we will go from there. Okay, so first, 
Let's resolve the Anoxus surprise sword arm attack. Oh, I know what he's going to do, Mark. Oh, Uh-oh. this is fun. Okay. okay. Doesn't sound fun. <laughs> That's not great when Taylor says that. <laughs> he, okay, hold on. Uh, the arm just like, he flings it out into a large sort of just blade, pure blade. And then right in front of him opens an Escheres gate. And he <gasps> runs that sword through the Escheres gate. Simultaneously, the other end of the Escheres gate pops up behind. All right, let's see. It's Remy. <gasps> this, uh, yes, by the way, the Anox's character sheet is written. Um, he, he can do both at hand and a power that is called uh, Not From Around Here, uh, which allows him to spawn Escheresque uh, portals into the Escheresque as a free action for a cost oh. of grit. So, <laughs> yes, uh, ah, this is casually this, free so action of grit. opening up an Escheresque. Uh, he does not have infinite grit. No, he he has neither infinite grit nor infinite health. And I, yeah, and and those things are draining. Uh, you know, every moment that passes, you should roll movement to dodge. Okay, so if is this going to be like a severe, massive impact if it hits? Probably. I mean, he's putting a big sword right through your chest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I get to use a fucking power called Cloud. This is the one that lets me not die if I get attacked. <laughs> wow. Yes. Regret. It is an anime sword. Uh, yeah, buster sword. Is it a buster sword? Because that's gonna be that's that's rude. Okay, yeah. So plus four to all rolls that have anything to do with severe damage, including falling, being burned horribly, and losing a limb, head, or peripheral organ. In addition, Cloud adds back two health to your body whenever you reach zero health one time per combat. You cannot turn this power off after it activates. You feel like retching for days. Uh, I guess Taylor rolls to attack. All right, my combat is a D30. I rolled a 26. <laughs> 20. I rolled a 26. Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, Remy's going to roll the dodge, but it doesn't matter. It's an eight. Oh, no. Wait, wait. So it does 26 damage? No, No, that that was was my to hit. And now for damage, let's find out. Only 17. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Remy is still alive. Uh, He is in bad shape. Uh, I think the sword just runs out. It comes out of nowhere and runs directly through his back. He's uh, impaled for a second and it coughs up blood and is just like... (coughs) Oh, brother, that shit sucks. And you can see the hole actually widens and he he slips off of the sword, falls to his knees, and you can see his skin knitting back together. He's, he gets up and is just like, oh, fuck. Hey, I fucking hate it when that happens. We are now at the top of initiative order and the first person to act is the Saffron Anox. Yikes. Oh, Yikes. damn it. Me again? (laughs) Do not anime laugh at us. (laughs) It's my new thing. My wife loves it. Kawaii. (laughs) Saffron Anox yanks the giant sword hand out of the Escher S tunnel, which vanishes. Another Escher S tunnel appears right behind him. This grand archway of like these scintillating odd shapes and colors out of space. Length, distance, ratios, all these things are strange and alien to you. Looking in the Escher S tunnel is like looking up a number. Uh, and <laughs> he says, and he's, he looks down at his hand, which is now swiftly changing. It's gotten up to his elbow. Uh, 
and the things that are growing out of him are themselves having things grow out of them. And likewise, as above, so below, to a point where your eyes can no longer make out details at the edges. He looks down at that growing strange mass uh, as as what he what you would think of as his body is unfolding, uh, and another SRS gate appears behind him. The destination you can see through the far end, but you don't recognize anything about it. Far off in the distance through the gate, you can see the rings, um, like iridescent rings of a far off planet you don't recognize. And he says, I will be seeing you again, but in the meantime, you're fired. And he turns and he walks through the gate. But he doesn't. His hand won't go through. <laughs> you can hear a <laughs> as he it's like he walks into a bulkhead yes it's like it's like when you're walking by something and a part of your clothing gets stuck on a drawer mm-hmm. handle <laughs> yoink and he just and he, he stops and this hmm he doesn't have any he, there are no features on his face and yet somehow you can tell he is shocked and it's the first time he's ever been shocked. And he looks back, the the, the growing mass, uh, the, the unfolding matter of his body will not pass through the Escher-esque gate. The next person to act is Oat. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Oat whips his head around and looks at Marcus. Marcus gives a very authoritative nod and points straight at the Saffron Anox like a Greek emperor and puts his thumb down. Okay, Remy, you're wearing the heat ray gun. Yes. Right? Because it, it's a huge thing that you got to like, it buckles onto like a belt. It's got the oh, bandolier yeah, 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 batteries, yeah. right? Okay, Oat gets the order from Marcus. Marcus has now ordered Oat to take a life. <laughs> the thing he was praying for every moment. <laughs> this, uh, in his head, he's like, oh, you want every life debt to go this way. <laughs> and he, but Oat has no weapons. He does not carry a gun. He doesn't even carry a dagger. He's got nothing. But he looks over at Remy. Remy nearly unconscious, the color drained from his face by the incredible ordeal uh, that Cloud put him through, that the sword in his chest went through. Oat dives over towards Remy, grabs the giant heat laser that Taurus built that's hanging off Remy's belt, and he turns it towards the Anox, and he pulls the fucking trigger. Remy salutes. Do you want me to, I can roll for the Anox. Yeah, baby. Very weakly salute. Yeah, roll the against yourself, Taylor. Do all the rolls. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. This is really funny. Um, All the bad boys, but one good boy. One good boy. Nah, I'm not really a fighter. A six. The Anox doesn't dodge. He's facing away from the group, trying to walk through this portal. He is shocked. As Taylor said, perhaps for the first time in who knows how long he has been alive, there must be a solution. There's got to be something that he doesn't understand. He doesn't not understand things. That's unthinkable to him. And he is so lost in the fact that for once in his extremely long, extremely complicated, far-reaching, multi-dimensional life, right now, he doesn't get what he wants. And Oat just fucking blasts him with the laser. Roll 2d20. Oh. <gasps> right. I it's forgot how much gun. damage it did. The gun for big boy. <laughs> uh, 18. The Anox gets lasered in the back for 18 damage. Ooh. 
you can see a bunch of the crystals in his arm like vaporizing and turning into dust in the air and it, it like it smells it smells kind of like burning sugar it's like a really weird gross yes. uh, scent that fills the room as he's as he's lasered up his back uh, you certainly also maybe caught his attention the next person to act is beta beta whips around and sees Remy on the floor, gray, Oates standing next to him using his weapons as if, and she's in her mind thinking, what, do we now just think Remy's gone? Are we just using his weapon? Runs over to Remy and immediately puts her hand on his chest, mimicking the position she took as she was looking over Venus and performs heal for five health. And you can see some of the color return to his face. The next person to act in initiative order is Remy. Remy, like, gets up. He's on his knees. He gets up and he's, like, sort of swaying his head down. He's looking at the ground. And you see his skin start, like, peeling off again. And you've seen this before. And you could see, like, the fucking, the haze uh, start to form around him again. Uh, and he's, he's just, like, wet and bloody and red and... His face is like constantly shifting and distorted because it like all of the fucking his nanites are, are moving around uh, trying to find optimal positions. They're configuring themselves according to their own will and not his. Um, and the next thing he does, he he uses open mind and he's going to yell for any anything that's powerful in the universe. Oh, I see. You are sending out a beacon for another emissary. Yes. Yes. Holy shit. And he's pointing it at the Anox. He's like, he's asking that he's, this is, this is Remy's, this is Remy praying. He's asking the gods for help. The real gods, not the one in front of him. Oh, shit. Your brain isn't filled with noise so much as it's just completely crowded out with nothing. You experience for a moment what you might most accurately describe as complete non-existence. It's like everything and everyone goes away just for a blink. Did you guys ever have this when you're, you, it feels like um, if you're really sick, it feels like you might pass out and you kind of do pass out for like a tick, just like one moment and you catch yourself mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, okay, I should, I should maybe yeah, sit no, down. It's, it's, it's like how, um, it's like how when you learn, um, atoms are actually fucking huge on the mm. inside and there's just nothingness between yeah. them. <laughs> Yeah. Between the atoms yeah, and the it's electrons. Just empty space. There's no. nothing there other than the dark matter or whatever the fuck. You essentially just, your consciousness blinks out of existence for a minute, and you're not sure if that's a reply, if that's a confirmation, if that is exactly what it feels like, nothing. But you feel, in response to it, the same thing that you felt right before the emissary showed up, which is a massive sense of dread. Like... Like the end is near, like you are an insect to the boot of the universe. Yeah, Remy's just trying to put himself in front of the Anox, or behind the Anox when that happens. Okay. No postulate. Uh, nothing happens yet. We'll see. <laughs> the next person to act in initiative order is Mercus. Uh, Mercus takes a free action. Pause. Oh, why? I invoke prescient hypothesis. Oh, what? Prescient hypothesis is this. <laughs> <laughs> Are we playing magic? Fuck you. I know. I like, I've <laughs> had a beer, rules, so I'm dude. kind of like, what? <laughs> Fucking rules. 
This is not a core rule book power. This is a power that I wrote. So all blame, all oh. blame should go. I wrote the Saffron and Knox's sheet. It is not a canon sheet. So you could blame me for all of this. Uh, all right. So, Mercus, mm. write down the action you are going to take this turn. Yes. Write it down on a piece of paper. On a piece of paper with a pencil. Yes. I have made a prediction. Yeah. On, I'm holding okay. a piece of paper. If I correctly predicted your turn within reason, I get to d- decide what happens. Oh, fuck. Whoa. Fuck me. Well, now don't write I... something weird. Don't write something weird down no, just to I know, fuck I know, me I know. up. No, I know, I have a set. I have a set amount of powers. Like, it's, yeah, I know you. You know what I have. I don't, actually. Wait, really? <laughs> and I, I don't have access to your character sheet either. Oh, I mean, you know what I've done in the past. Well, do I? <laughs> but I think it's fair, because this is a crazy power, okay. but I'm personally a moron, so. This is, like, very um, Tonight Show. Amazing, <laughs> Kreskin. Um, the Escheresque Adeva Ahok. All right, let me know when you're done. Paper has been written. All right, what did you write down? I was going to take a free action of reposition and then run towards the door to observe or, and or distract Sasho. Oh, interesting. I wrote down, attack me with a weapon. So I <laughs> blew it. Have fun. So, the, so now <laughs> what happens is the Anox has just wasted a bunch of grit oh, attempting, right. attempting to look into the future. <laughs> he accidentally looked into the wrong future. And now, Jen, your turn continues as normal. You can choose to do those things. You can choose to not do those things. Amazing. That's... Mike, that's an amazing power. So cool. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just still reacting to that. That's amazing. Yeah. I've also um, just alerted our Discord that this episode is a doozy. <laughs> it is a doozy. It is a doozy. <laughs> so Mercus is going to take a free action, burn six grit, and get an extra detail, get an extra D12 for a future roll. And he is gonna bolt. He's gonna fucking bolt toward the door and to see what Sasho is up to so he can clear the pathway for everybody to leave. When you go to the door, uh, Sasho is, he does not react to your presence. He's watching intently. Uh, He is not moving. Um, He is remaining as reverent as ever. I think Mergus wants to run up the wall. Like he's just running at full speed, wants to run up the wall. Yeah, you can attach to the wall right above the, the double door that you guys walked in through. Yeah, and he's just going to be be hanging okay, out there. Great. Yeah, you have a, you know, bird's eye view of both what's going on with the crew and you're basically right above the door and Shusho. The next person to act is Venus. Venus his cold stare has not left the Anox. He's watching every second of this um, because this is uh, a tyrant of the worst kind. Um, it's a tyrant who thinks that he's not a tyrant because he's got some grand, beautiful vision, which is the exact type of personality that has riddled history with absolute genocide and misery. He hates the Anox, and he walks uh, slowly up to the Anox and says, kill me. As much as I might desire to do just that, now free me or I'll kill the little one. (laughs) Undo this now. I will give you worlds, but especially I will give you the life of the little lizard Fix this now. Venus simply says, there is nothing that can be done for you now. The next person to act is the Saffron Anox. But before he takes his action, I want to describe a few things. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I 
fuck. hope you save this video. <laughs> There's lots of little dancing happening. The concrete orange peels that are floating above the Anox's chair are spinning slower, and where they were at one point a hot orange, they're glowing slightly less brightly, uh, and they appear sluggish in their arcing movements. And it's hard to tell, but it looks like maybe they're sagging a little bit, like they're lower than they were before. Everybody roll Will. Remy's not going to pass this check. He rolled a nat one. (laughs) Marcus got a six. Great. Oat got a two. I got an eight. Beta, something is not right. Something is not right on a grand scale. Something something <gasps> very, very big is is bad about where you are. And you can't put your finger on it, but it's it's something feels very wrong. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that you can compare it to. Something bad is about to happen. Beta screams kind of not even knowing she's going into Aether Speak, goes into Aether Speak and screams in everyone's ears, we have to get out of here. Out of here. Out. The next person to act is the Saffron Anox. <gasps> the Anox telepathically messages the Davis. Sasha, do not let them leave under any circumstances. End them now. And then the Anox steps out of the Escheres gate. And you can see now that the growth along his arm is moving fast enough for you to visibly track its action. And it crosses the line of his shoulder and begins taking over what you might perceive as his chest or his neck. I gave you the chance to have everything you'd ever want. And you chose this ugliness. And he looks across the room at Mercus. He looks all the way down there by the door. And his head reconfigures itself. His head, it's almost like the, 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 the place where his face would be, smooths, rounds, and becomes transparent. It is a lens, and the back of his head grows red hot. And you hear a humming as if you turn an old machine on. And from where he is standing, he has transformed his head into a very powerful microwave laser. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, Taylor, that's 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 expensive, grit-wise. You, uh, that's a D50. Yeah, that's a D50. I'll, I'll roll it yeah. now. Oh, I'll roll it now. I'll roll it right now. only payback. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Payback. Wow. Yeah. Ta- Taylor, tell me what you roll. I, well, I'm rolling for grit, because it I, and I got a, it cost me 40 grit to do that. Holy Ooh, shit. That takes me down into normal. I was going to say, just so you know, the Anox has a lot yeah. of grit, but the Anox does not have an infinite yeah. amount, and what he's uh, doing now is very expensive. Wow, wow, wow. And... I mean, what's the point in describing a sound when Mike Rignett is going to put in the perfect fucking, you know, (laughs) maser device? Uh, Bing, bing. (laughs) You feel the beam appear as the room is suddenly hot and split with plasma as it rockets at the speed of light towards little Marcus. Marcus, roll movement to dodge. Anox, roll combat to hit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Rip. The hot beam that begins to form is frozen, and we see the beam in Venos's eye. God damn it! <laughs> Venos asked the Anox to kill him because before he died, Venos wanted to show him that he wasn't perfect, that his actions could be undone, that he did not have a way 
to perfect this universe or to craft it. He wanted his own failure to be his downfall. And now Vino sees that this this action was going to be much bigger than he was going to take against himself. But Vinos twists his neck and stares at the Anox. His move has been detuned. He fails this roll. No, he doesn't. Ah! Whoa! The Saffron Anox no! casts retune. No! What? That exists? This is some fucking manja. I mean, some anime shit right here. For 10 grit. What the fuck? <laughs> For 10 grit, the Anox no. can have an automatic standard success without rolling. He may burn three, six, or nine grit to further boost the result of the So he can, he can, all, his, his maximum is significantly lowered, but he still does it. Okay. So, so it is, it is not a D30 now. If he burns additional grit. Which he will do. So he gets an automatic 14. So Mercus now has a fighting chance to roll movement. Oh and my not- God! It's gonna be Venus's pride that kills poor little the little one. No, there is a contest of wills. Yeah. For those of you focused on what's going on here, reality and time are shaken like someone putting a sheet on a bed. It's whipped up and seems to float down in a strange wave. Forces that are indescribable are tearing at the even the concept of probability cause and effect. All the different possibilities, all the infinite branching fractal possibilities, all the Heisenberg equations collapse. And in this arm wrestle of reality, the winner is the Saffron and Knox. Marcus burned six and got a seven for a 13. Roll 2d20 damage. It's okay, it's okay. You said 2d20? Taylor rolls 2d20 damage. Oh no, the little one. I rolled a 15. <gasps> no. And a 20. Oh, no. Fuck. Oh, wow. This is the first time Taylor's ever, like, gotten someone's health to that zero. Mercus has a total health of 26. Reality bent for a moment. And there was a split second when two things happened at the same time. And in that split second, Oat saw the chance and Oat casts Soak once per round when an ally is hit by a weapon you can take the damage from it no matter how implausible the resulting movements would be Oat jumps and takes the beam Oat takes 35 damage Oat falls to the ground. There is a smoking hole of smoldering cinders where once his heart did live. Rick sees this and just just lets out a Oat! Mr. Oat! The next person to act or not act, as the case may be, is Oat. Looks like Taylor's doing the math. Okay, so how does this work? So You convert good to health. Um, if you mm. took damage beyond the amount of health you had, it automatically converts. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So you don't have a choice. Is it one to one? It's three to one. So it's three grit to one health. Ode has 20 health and 32 grit. So... If it had been a 30 instead of a 35? Yeah. So Ode's at zero, zero. <laughs> Ode is at zero, zero. The next person to act is beta 
Beta is is having a day. Beta. <laughs> Beta again, without thinking, runs over to Oat. Even if she instinctually knows that the blow was way too hard for her to heal it and puts her hand over Oat's chest, over the smoking hole, and tries her hardest to perform heal, all while screaming in the Aether speak, we have to get out of here. Now something is very, very wrong. Your heal has no effect. The next person to act is Remy. Yeah, Remy's feeling okay. Um, okay. <laughs> he's like, he's like, a, he's, he's, he has, he, he's ha- like half health, half, like less than half grit. Like he's, <laughs> he, the color's back in his cheeks, you know? Uh, he, he sees, yeah, he, he just saw Oat take a, a, a metaphysical bullet from Mercus. And I mean, he's already out of his mind. He just blanked out of his mind, just blanked out entirely just a second ago. He's like, he's acting on instinct. His instinct is to just make space so that people can get away. So I think he's, he's just going to like run at him, jump on the Anox and try and tear at his face to keep him from doing anything to, to like either hinder the team or hurt the team. Are you jumping on him? Are you like jumping on his body? I think he's, he's jumping. He's like jumping and swiping at his head with his hands. Okay. Just like trying to try, like he's he's going for where he thinks the eyes would be to try and slow him down. His head's a big laser gun. I right know. Now. All right. He's, he's he's either trying to break the laser. One big eye. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to break the laser. Eye. Trying to break yeah. the eyes. That slows Easy you. That slows you down. Remy, roll combat and Anox roll movement to dodge. It's a three. Eleven. Yeah. Cool. You close distance and you take a big swipe at the Anox, but uh, maybe it's because he's writhing in pain. He manages to just duck out of the way just in time, and you miss the giant lens laser head. The next person to act is Mercus. Mercus is observing and still taking it in that Mr. Oat had been hit, um, but he very purposefully disengages from the wall. So he sort of free falls backwards and does a flip and wants to roundhouse kick Sasho in the head with his pink tail sneaker. Roll your combat. What's amazing about this is Zeshino actually aided him on an attack roll, but he never used it. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. So he's going to burn six additional a 20. Uh, Shasho cannot beat it. I would say that he is so austere that he does not expect that this is even going to happen. So roll your damage and it works. It is a lovely little three. Okay. You backflip off of the wall and you land next to maybe slightly behind Shasho, do a little hop, kick him in the back of the head with your sneaker. And he like lurches forward a little bit and turns and looks at you and squares up. The next person to act is Venus. Um, at this point, uh, Venos has heard the cries for um, us needing to get out several times. Venos doesn't have time to think about how his actions directly <laughs> caused the death of Oat. He takes out his shotgun and starts running towards where um, the um, stiff works would be that they could that they could use. It's been a little while uh, since you were mm-hmm. in this room, so let yeah. me take this moment to further describe the exits. You came okay. in through the back 
quote unquote, mm-hmm. which is not where you came in from when you first got here. You came in mm-hmm. through a kind of like, you know, audience entrance, which at this point would be, I think, to your backs. There are two sets of two double doors that lead you out into the street, as it were, uh, of the town that is around the Anox's court. Mm-hmm. Um, and down that street, if you remember, after you first met the Saffron Anox, down that street, there's a small, dark, vine-covered building that Shasho brought you to, and that is the stiffworks that you left through last time. If you want to go right. back to the stiffworks that you just used, that you just came through, you're going to have to go through Shasho and through the back of uh, the, the, the court, as it were. I'm not saying okay. one is better than the other. Just letting you know what your options are. Venus uh, yells in his mind, "We need to get out of here. We, let's use the, the sniffworks we used last time." And he takes a shotgun out, runs for the door. The next person to act is Shasho. Oh fuck! <laughs> At the top of Shasho's turn, two Deva come in through the double doors uh, that are that are behind him to his back, and they look very similar. They're all wearing these long, uh, like red and gold robes. They all have this very ornate. Uh, like makeup on. It's hard to tell whether, you know, Shasho is the only one that's gold, uh, but the other ones are very sort of like decorated, decked out. They're very tall. They're all skinny. And uh, Shasho sees that Venus is booking it for the exit. And Shasho thinks, we can't have this. Shasho puts his hands in front of him, palms open, facing towards his face. And he tilts his head back, and he opens his mouth wide, and he closes his eyes, and he rockets his hands in front of him. He just throws them out in front of him and makes a snatching motion. (gasps) Shasho has just used Catch Snake. For seven grit, you induce paralysis on one target within ten meters for a number of hours equal to your level. Shasho is level six. Oh no. Venos, you cannot move. You cannot use the hell science. Oh! <gasps> oh shit! This is Bruh. specified in the power. Is the Anox now paralyzed? Yes! The next two people to act Bruh. are the two devas that the Anox, the two other devas that the Anox signal for. The person that is the closest to them when they get in, I believe, is Mercus. Um, yeah. And they are both just going to swing at Mercus. So Mercus beat these two rolls. Roll movement and beat a nine <gasps> and an eight. Holy shit. He's going to burn three for each. So Mercus got an 11 and a 13. Mercus, these devas come out. They are not sure what's happening. They have just seen Shasho cast Catch Snake and paralyze someone. They're taking their cues from the Anox who spoke to them in their brains and what they are seeing their commanding officer do. All of these people are bad. You are clearly not from around here. They swing at you with the axes that are on the end of the pole arms that they're carrying, and they both miss. The next person to act is the Saffron Anox. Fuck, dude. Uh, can I just say, Mercus did a backbend to whiff it. <laughs> we all imagine it in bullet time. There you Sick. go. The Saffron Anox is paralyzed. Shasho does, has no clue about what 
promise vengeance is. Doesn't know it exists. Doesn't know what it is. Uh, and however, the, the 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 fractal escalation, the geometric geometric exp- expansion of the unfolding of his matter because the Oregon postulate is going apace, if not faster. It is moving at an exponential rate, crystallizing the rest of his body, and the crystals are crystallizing. You see now that what was once his hand is now the size of a large bathtub. Uh, it has fallen to the ground. The crystals are growing crystals, and they themselves are growing crystals. It is now moving so quickly that were you standing by it, you would want to run away. That is how fast he is expanding. Otherwise, he is paralyzed, but his body begins shifting, rapidly shifting. It's changing all these different shapes, but it's anchored to the ground because of the part of his body that's being crystallized and, and, and unfolding and the paralysis due to the vengeance, hell science, cast, all these things are coming together and this space god is just vibrating like cornstarch on a bass speaker, unable to do or move anywhere. At the end of the Anoxus turn, two additional things happened. The spinning concrete <gasps> Concrete orange peels that have been sagging and dimming as you're standing there trying to combat him and his devas break. They shatter, they fall to the ground, and they are so, they're not glowing red anymore, but they are still so hot, they begin to melt the Anoxus chair. They begin to melt and burn through the floor that it was sitting on. It smells like burning, melting mycelium. It smells like burning plastic. Some of it touches part of the Anox, and it smells again like burning sugar. They crash and they clatter, and the room and the floor begin to shake. At first, it's a big, slow shake. It feels deep, and it feels inescapable. And for a second, you all flash back for a moment to Grafa, to the holes, to the rats to the gravity gun. You've just felt this same feeling. This is an earthquake. And from around the corners of the room, in all of the crevices at the bottom of it, where the wall meets the floor, where two walls and the floor meet, you begin to see a creeping darkness, a kind of pooling of the absence of light, like oil is seeping into the floor of the room. The next person to act is Beta. Beta quickly looks around the room, looks at Remy, looks at Venus, paralyzed on the floor, looks at Marcus, is doing the calculation in her head of how long they have left and screams to Marcus in Marcus's head, Marcus, dive, save yourself. You all begin to feel light, like your feet aren't fully placed on the ground. The creeping blackness from the corners of the room is growing. It's like it's seeping into the center of the room, and it's coming now from all corners, and it's pooling around the boots of the devas, and they're looking down at it like they don't know what's going on. Something is here. The next person to act is Remy. Remy, your sense of creeping dread is no longer creeping. It is stomping. Remy starts cackling. 
because he knows this is the end. He knows it like it's him and everyone in this room and all, the only maybe the only person who's going to make it out is Mercus. Uh, and he's <laughs> fine with it. He's made his fucking peace with it. Like he's taking down a god with another god. Like <laughs> he's this is his purpose. This is his this is this is this is his limit. He 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 and I think he's he's he feels light in his soul also. He feels light, like there's nothing he can do, and he feels kind of ecstatic because he knows that nothing he does now really matters. And so I think what he's going to do, he sees Shasho, and he's this—he turns toward him. He's this horrifying, like red, ma- like shifting mass with, like, what looks like a like a heat, like, um, air distortion around him, and he's just going to jump at. Show and try and, and use consume and just try and eat the flesh off of his bones because Remy's hungry now because there's nothing else. It's just him in this room with a god who's on his way. Baby, they give out Peabody's <laughs> for podcasting. Damn, <laughs> fuck, seriously. And I think this is this is a natural attack, so it will. Do, I think it's like de- it'll do decom damage if it hits. Yeah. So yeah, roll your combat, roll the appropriate roll, and Shasho will roll to dodge. And I will say, Shasho's dodge is not great. Yeah, Remy's also gonna. He's gonna burn some. Yeah. He's gonna burn grit yeah. too. Yeah. Like, Time to burn it. some like, grit. He's, he's gonna hungry. burn. He's gonna burn six grit. Seventeen. Shasho cannot beat that. And Remy just, he lands on him, knocking him down and goes just like his, his smiling as he bites into his neck. Tell me how much damage you do. Yeah. You got a seven. So that's 20 damage. You tackle and mount the Deva Shasho and bite into his neck. He pulls back and is just smiling. He's still <laughs> laughing because he knows he, it's, it's, this is it. He's so happy because how often do you get to meet a god? Shasho is just locking eyes with you, and he speaks as even as always, and he says, I do not think you will live long enough to regret this earnestness. The Anox's illusion of opening up the sky, of opening up the roof above you to show the sky has persisted for this long. But as he becomes less powerful, as he becomes paralyzed, it has faded. And it has turned again into that beautiful terracotta tile pattern that you saw when you came in from the Stiffworks the first time. Now it returns again. It comes back. You can see the outside. You can see the sky through the ceiling. And it's not because the Anox has re-engaged the illusion. It's because whipping winds from the atmosphere on a stalled planet have ripped the roof off of this building. It is torn with utmost drama. It's opened like a can. It is just peeled off and you can see above you the planet-sized analog to the concrete orange peels that hung in this room that ring both the rigamonts. They are dull, they are cracking, and they are falling towards you. The creeping blackness is beginning to form a cube in the center of the room. It is growing slowly with a liquid border from the floor towards the ceiling, and anybody who might be within it is just gently enveloped by it. If you touch it, you are not hurt, but you do become cold, and you become inexplicably worried. The next person to act is Mercus. Uh, as Remy attacks the Deva, Mercus digs into a pocket and pulls out a handful of Thinky Boost 
It is uh, similar to Gunch. It is manufactured by the Archive. It's very popular and it's a highly addictive pep pill. Uh, so I rolled a D will and he can safely take up to three per day. And if he takes one more, he will go insane. So he throws three of them into his mouth, cracks them with the back of his teeth and takes a uh, track stars stance on the floor. I'm gonna roll it. Hope there's this not a how- urine test. <laughs> ha. So if he regains topical. nine grit from that. If it's the co, it's legal, dude. And as if a starting pistol goes off, he rockets forward, sprinting. Like he reaches an arm out like a hook, as if you were taking someone off a stage so he can hook Beta around the waist. He keeps sprinting. He grabs Venos's frozen arm in the crook of his elbow and just runs forward like it's a football practice and he has tons of weight dragging behind him and he dives out of the room so that will be we're gonna yeah. we're gonna burn nine plus the six required for dive and he can bring a one plus his level so he can bring up to four people but I think the people that are unoccupied are Venus and Beta but there's no role associated with this it just happens yeah Marcus you have spent the appropriate amount of grit and you have activated dive a power that just works you get out of this situation here is how i would read this rule you leave this room this extremely dangerous room this room with many very powerful threats it's a little out of the frying pan and into the fire you escape through one of the double doors that you originally, when you first met the Anox, came in through. You go outside into the environment, onto Rigamont A, and it is the strongest wind that you have ever felt. It feels like you have to fight for every single inch to get to the stiffworks that you know is down the hill in that squat, black, vine-covered building. Because when a planet stops spinning, its atmosphere continues to spin. Like water in a bucket, Mike! At the previous speed that it was going. It just keeps going, and it will begin to just tear everything down to the bedrock. And that's what's happening. Also in the distance, you see Rigamont B. You see not the moon that was between Rigamont B and Rigamont A. It's gone. You see the heat sinks around Rigamont B, dull, cracked, crashing to the ground on Rigamont B. Do you hear from the distance what sounds like one very large boulder falling the length of a mountain and you see Rigamont B snap in half. He's gritting his teeth. He's just grunting. Just out the door. In slow motion, you watch a planet separate from itself, and you watch all of the dust connect these two halves of a sphere. You dig your toes into the ground, and it is going to be a fight to get from where you are to where you want to be inside the room. The cube is now full. It's glistening. It's oily and slick. It's starting to grow small, 
almost fingers. They don't look like tentacles. They're like malformed hands. And they're only grabbing in one direction, in the direction of the Saffron Anox. The thing whose brain they are the most interested in, by far. The next person to act is Venos. Venos can take no action. Venos, what's going on in your brain? The impact on his hell science um, has also affected his thinking. He's he's only seeing bits and pieces. He doesn't know what's a dream right now and what's not. It doesn't make sense that anything that he's kind of seeing, he can't really focus his eyes. So what he's seeing, feeling, hearing, he is totally up for this is not real. This is part of the spell. This is whatever. So he's on a really bad trip right now. Um, yeah. And he doesn't know if it's going to end. The walls are being torn off the building. Mercus, it's like you're standing in the middle. Everyone, not just Mercus, it's like you're standing in the middle of a tornado. The Saffron and Nox's collection, all of those beautiful things that you saw walking through the hallways, is just being thrown about like a bunch of garbage. It's just tossed around, covered in dust. Impossibly expensive, impossibly hard to find items from. The void over is just being thrown into space as this planet destroys itself, as its steward is no longer capable of, of caring for it, of maintaining its balance. The hands begin to reach out and they cross the threshold. They go over the lip of the dais and they're just about to touch the anox. The Deva, Shasho, looks directly into Remy's eyes and he says, I know you, and I know your name. I know your name is Remy Tester. Truth. Part. The veil. And his eyes go black. His mouth goes black. Remy, roll Will. It's only a D4. We're not getting out of here alive, baby. It's, a, it's opposed, so he could roll a one. I mean, I think at this point, I'm going to burn the rest of his grit. Do it. I mean, it's only it's only nine, but he's what else is he going to do? He's he's fully living at this moment. He is he is filled with joy. He's seen that he has been chosen as the person who has to stay behind. You have to beat 11. 10. Oh, doesn't beat it. Wow. With grit and everything. Yeah. 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 He rolled a nat one plus nine. I'm gonna say oh! you rolled uh, you rolled a nat one, so it doesn't didn't matter how much grit. This hurts me. Remy, your mind becomes at first clouded, and then it becomes chaotic. And not a chaotic that you're used to, not a chaotic that you like, not a kind of chaos that some would say you even thrive within. It's chaos like like scrolling back and forth on a radio dial as fast as you possibly can. It's chaos like white noise, too loud for you to really listen to. It blots out the rest of existence. It blots out the rest of your thoughts. It blots out your personality. The deva has pierced the veil. If your role is equal to equal to or higher than your targets, you overwhelm their mind with a barrage of energy and you cause them to permanently lose their mind. This power is not reversible. Oh no! Seems fine. Uh, his one, one of <laughs> Remy's one of Remy's fine. class powers is or class things is insane. Your will is a D four. That's just that was what I started with. The fingers of the cube finally make contact with the growing crystal mass of the Anox, and they slowly envelop it. And it's almost like they have grabbed it. And they are 
pulling the cube slowly towards it. It's sliding across the floor and leaving a trail as it moves. As the tendril fingers of this beast that Remy has summoned, called, invited, hard to say, wraps around the body of the Anox, whenever a tendril touches one of the shards of this glass sculpture, essentially, that the Anox is becoming, it melts away, and it sort of puffs away into dust. And you smell, again, burning sugar. It smells like melting plastic and the Anoxes is melting slowly into this thing. But as it happens, you begin to see just small bits and pieces of that original unfinished Ken doll shape that he was. Like it's melting away the shards and you're beginning to see the Anox as he once was before he touched the Origamon postulate. And for a brief moment, as he sucked into this, this oily shape, he just looks like a strange man again. And he thinks a thought so hard that it sort of leaks through what's real and you can pick it up on your ether speak and you hear him think but I was just getting started and then he's gone but then the work of the orgam and postulate has reached the geometric tipping point And what was one was two, what was two was four, what was four was 16. And in a few brief steps, the crystals explode and pierce the cube. And the cube begins to turn into this sort of ribbon-like smoke, a sort of solidified vapor uh, in the air. Uh, And the, the, the vapor is wrapping around these towers of razor glass that are now exploding outwards from the locus. And suddenly it begins to absolutely fill the room. Anyone who's in there is gonna wanna get out of there now. The last people to act in this initiative round are the two remaining devas who are going to, I mean, they are religious zealots. They are devotees to the Anox. They are going to rush into the cube to attempt to pull him out. (laughs) What happens? They are cut to ribbons. In the time it takes them to even cross half the distance to the cube that has just devoured what has become of the Saffron Anox, the Orgam and Postulate has begun to accelerate its work with the increased mass that it has now been given, growing at a geometric rate. Giant, car-sized, razor-sharp glass triangles. Great crystals of nothing but cutting edges are exploding from the cube, wrapping themselves in ribbons of its unfolded dimensional vapor. And these things are exploding through the space at a speed which would be called projectile. And as the Davis run into it, they are exploded <laughs> into mist. Jeez. We are, I think, with that, out of initiative because it would not seem as though... Well, uh, Remy is still inside, mm-hmm. right? Yes, Remy yeah. is still inside. Is Remy gonna run, or does Remy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think Remy's you know kneeling over him, uh, and Remy says thank you, and like he's holding his head very tenderly uh, after Shasho has said this thing, and Remy loses whatever little mind, whatever is there is just gone now, and I think uh, he he tries to to 
pull Shasho close to him, like as though it's a hug, and then starts walking toward the unfolding mass of crystals. And you can see his nanites just fucking, they're, they're flying out of his body, pulling up the ground. You can see like bits of like, like his, his clothes are burned off. You can see bits of just like, uh, like the, the terracotta of the floor, the blue and the white just floating up. Uh, and turning into this vortex and this this cyclone around both of them, and it's ripping off. It's like eating, like they're eating Shasho's hair. They're eating away at his face, and Remy just is pulling him toward uh, toward this mass of razor sharp, expanding crystal. And I think he's still monstrous and red and fucking grotesque. Uh, and I think he's going to take an attack and he's going to try and throw them both into the crystal with whatever's left of the strength. Shasho is realizes what you're doing. You have a tough, tough hold on him, and he cannot get out of it. He's pulling. You're basically dragging him. He's planting his heels, and you're pulling him across this tile floor, and he is good. He and it's, is a devotee. And it's tender. This is the other thing. Like Remy is like, it's like loving from Remy. It's like we're both doing this together. We are both We're both going to have an amazing this. experience. <laughs> You start to feel in your hands where you're touching him a little like tingle in a little bit of a, of a sparkle. And it's like you are touching, uh, it's like you're touching a light, um, like electrical charge. You're, it feels like your skin is dancing in a way. And then it feels like the skin on your arm is dancing. And then it feels like the skin across your chest and back are dancing. And Shasho clenches his fist. And you can see he concentrates. And nothing about his face changes, but your skin suddenly feels wet and cold. And you can see that as the nanites cloud around your body, there are now little sparks of electricity that are dancing between them because Shasho has used his last-ditch effort, the one thing that he can do right now to try to stop you. He used glisten, where he can touch someone and he can overload their body with electrical energy. He, he cannot avoid damage mm -hmm. in doing this. He gets hurt. So he takes 10 damage and Remy takes 21 damage. Remy has 12 health and zero grid, but he still has cloud, which means glisten happens. He explodes. Remy just fucking explodes into a cloud of nanites. And for a moment, Shasho is like, I have done it. It's beautiful and sparking and it looks like a swarm of mosquitoes and then Remy reforms in Shasho's arms. And Shasho's, Shasho's face drops. Remy kisses him and then jumps with both of them into the fucking massive crystal. Goddamn. Yeah. Goddamn. Shasho and Remy are both torn to shreds by the writhing, quickly growing crystal mass. Part of the wow. universe now, baby. Oh my God. Back outside, the remaining members of the party, Mercus, Beta, and Paralyzed Venus, you are standing on a planet that is falling apart. Moment by moment, the wind is picking up as the planet slows and stops, but the atmosphere keeps spinning at the same speed. You have no more than 20 meters to go. The wind is so hard that you're not sure you're going to be able to make it. Yeah, Mercus is... is dragging both of them and it's a lot of weight and it's very very windy and he is panicking in the ether speak he 
he says, Beta, I'm sorry, one moment, and he falls to his knees for a second, because it's just so much weight. He converts 18 health to grit, gaining six. And he, he just, for a moment, has to breathe. And with every breath, you can, in his mind, and maybe through ether speak, you can see Deep River falling away from him. You can see Brain Rats. You can see his last crew, the hand detaching from his captain. And he just looks up at the planet falling out around them. You can see in the distance, at the end of the hill, there is a large crack that has opened up on the surface of Rigamont A, and there are boulders, not rocks, boulders, floating up from it and going into the sky, and you are feeling moment by moment your connection to the ground, your weight on it lessening and lessening. You also, in Etherspeak, for a moment hear the static that normally envelops Remy and Etherspeak goes silent. And with that, Mercus looks up and forward with new resolve, burns 12 grit, and dives again. <gasps> what? Really? You have enough left? He drags the hell out of Venos and is, has an arm still hooked around Beta's waist and just crossfit running forward toward the stiff works. You... I mean, I cannot argue with you. This is Dive. <laughs> you, pu- you pull Mercus, tiny, tiny Mercus, on a planet that is falling apart. Gravity is lessening by the second. The winds are picking up by the second. You pull a paralyzed hell scientist and a, a robot through the maelstrom 20 meters to the squat, black, vine-covered building that you know contains a Stiffworks. He is gritting his teeth so hard, it actually starts bleeding a little bit. And he is chanting in ether speak, not again, not again. And he is just running. Behind you, the Saffron Anoxes headquarters explodes. Every window, every door, the last of the walls that were standing are pierced outwards. Like a glass bottle exploding in the freezer when you fill it full of water and put it in there too long. Out from its edges pokes vast spikes of crystalline glass. And the entire building is just replaced with this giant three-dimensional shimmering crystal mandala of a snowflake that begins ripping and tearing and breaking, floating up to the sky. Meanwhile, the heat sinks are now colliding with the surface of Rigamont A. Buildings are leaving the surface, and things that previously helped maintain the safe operation of two planets are crashing to it. You get to the squat building that contains the Stiffworks, and just like last time, there's a locked door. Beta is watching the blood drip a little bit from Mercus's mouth, sees the door, and pulls out her laser gun and points it at the door. Roll combat. I got a seven plus plus six, so 
the laser pistol goes off and it destroys the measly lock that was holding this door shut. And inside you see the small squat room that you remember from the last time with the stiffworks on the other side. At this moment, you hear a huge cracking sound and the ground splits open beneath you and there is now a gap between you and the building. Fuck me. Everybody roll movement. Oh no. Get a standard success. Gerbert. Wait, how does Venus roll movement? Should I roll it still, or I, I don't think I can roll it? No, yeah, you're not moving. Um, burning six grit. Okay, Murgus is going to burn three. Uh, so I want a standard success. If someone is going to carry Venus, then I want uh, I want an eight or higher. When the ground cracks under them, Murgus is holding on to Venus, who still has a little bit of momentum and floats forward. <laughs> and he stops skidding, his feet skidding on the ground. Beta, I, I can't. I don't think I have enough strength to do this. Give me Venus. You go, Mercus. I'll follow behind. And without even a nod or a look, Mercus dives headfirst forward with both hands out at the stiff works. And he rolls an eight. Mercus makes it. Uh, you Maybe it's the lessened gravity. Um, maybe it's that you're too tired to overthink it, but you sail through the air over the rift. You look down below it, and you see just the core of a planet. You see space. You realize now at this moment it's getting harder to breathe, but you are inside the Stiffworks building. Beta, you are holding on to your paralyzed, silent friend, Venus. There is a growing rift between you and the Stiffworks and your friend, Mercus. Venus hears this and he starts screaming in his mind, leave me, leave me behind. Beta, save yourself. You cannot make it over this over this gap with me. No, don't take me, don't take me. He doesn't understand why this isn't working. Why Why can't even my thoughts be translated in ether speak? It's just, it, it, he's, he's clearly not reaching anything. Nothing about him works. Nothing about his mind works. He is just completely wrenching. He, if he could scream this, he would, but, he's, but he can't. And he's just saying, save yourself. Save yourself, save yourself! For a moment, Beta contemplates not trying. She knows the grit. She knows the amount of energy Mercus will have to take in order to get them all home. And she knows that Mercus may not leave them behind. But in a moment of pure survival instinct, jumps over the crevice with Venus. Mercus is down to four grit and has both hands out. He's flying from the jump still and wants to land both hands on the stiff work. Um, Mercus is also going to hold tricks, which is the plus two power to the roll. Got a 10 for a 12. The small room that you are in that is in the midst of the strongest wind, the most violent maelstrom that you've ever experienced on the surface of a planet that is tearing itself apart, this tiny room suddenly feels a little bigger, and you swear you get the faintest whiff of algae. Yeah, he tumbles forward into the stiff work, just ambling through, and through ether speak, all he can think to say is, please, 
Beta. And he doesn't look behind him when he lands. Ah, sunflower, weary of time, who countest the steps of the sun, seeking after that sweet golden climb where the traveler's journey is done, where the youth pined away with desire and the pale virgin shrouded in snow arise from their graves and aspire where my sunflower wishes to go. are now leaving Float City. Thanks for listening. This concludes the Float City arc. Thank you so, so much for accompanying us through the void for Beta, Venus, Remy, Mercus, and Oats adventures. Thank you also to Still Fleet's creator, Wythe Marshall, for trusting us with his creation. It was a huge, huge honor to be the first group of people to publicly play Still Fleet. We had a blast. I mean, we started Float City as a pandemic mini-series, and we have now recorded more episodes of Float City than of Fun City, which we will be making our return to in due course. By the time you hear this, we will already have started recording new New York 2101 Fun City episodes. We'll start releasing those as soon as we have a few in the can, so please keep an eye on our Twitter and our Patreon for production and release updates, and in the meantime, you can keep an eye on the main feed and our Patreon for a couple surprises and some bits of bonus bone content cone. Also, thank you so much to everyone who came to our first live and in-person show at Caveat a few weeks ago. It was a blast to get to hang out with all of you and see all of you and it was great to be joined by so many of you on the stream. If you had a good time and you think we should do more of that sort of thing, let us know. We are definitely game. And of course, if you like the show and want to help us keep making it, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures for access to our discord, our top secret archive of behind the scenes files, character sheets, music playlists, and a whole other show we do called fun chatty and more. That's patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. And of course, thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat. Hi, I'm Bijan Steven, and I play Remy Tester on Float City. You can find me online on Twitter at Bijan Steven, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitch at the same name, and on Instagram at Bijan Cakes, B-I-J-A-N Cakes. I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Mercus and Meldar. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Randwiches. That's the word sandwiches, but replace the S with an R. This is Shannon O'Dell. I play Beta Combat. You can find me on social at Shodell. Hello, this is Nick Gersio, and I play Lux on Fun City and Venos on Float City. You can find me at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter and in Gersio on Instagram. You spell Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O. I'm Taylor Moore, and I play all the cool, interesting characters. You can follow me at taylor.biz. <laughs>
My name is Mike Rignetta. I am your GM, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rignetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun City Ventures. Float City is played in a soon-to-be-released system called Still Fleet, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Still Fleet. This episode of Float City was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York. It was produced, edited, and sound designed by me, Mike Rignetta. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall. Remy's flute playing is by Jake Fridkiss. Our Fun City art is by Tess Stone. And our Float City art is by Ethan Gould. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kelly McHugh, Kit Pulliam, and Kestrel. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton.